0: Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to take it out and open up with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you have a phone or an iPad, I want you to take that out, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Now I'm going to throw you a curveball. Remember the second thing about mobile church that's always constant is change. I know we've settled in on that New Living Translation here lately for the sake of so many newcomers, people that don't. Uh, have a Bible background, and I'm going to start there today, verses 1 through 18, New Living Translation, but I'm going I'm to switch over to you. Um, halfway through this message, we're going to use some references out of the New King James. That's obviously what I grew up learning and studying, committing to memory, and it just makes some statements in the New King James Translation that, that I think God's going to speak through today to speak to you. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to read this passage rather quickly. I'm going to try my best to preach today's message and not any one of the three previous Holy Habits messages. Um, People come to me and they say, Pastor, I I, am wanting you to take me forward in this sermon series. You're spending a lot of time on the, the ones we got before. They wasn't here, they just need to go watch it. So if you wasn't here and you need to go watch them, you gotta move us all forward today. But here's what Jesus said, it's written in red. Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly. Don't do them especially to just be admired by others for you will lose your reward from your father who is in heaven. When you give to someone who is in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do blowing their trumpets in the synagogues and on the street corners, calling attention to all of their acts of charity to be seen of men. I tell you the truth. They have received all of the reward that they will ever get. But when you do, Give to someone that's in need. Now, remember what we learned last week. Jesus did not say it was optional if Christians give. He he didn't poll for popular opinion. He didn't conduct a survey. He just said, if you're like me, if you have my nature, you will give. Because I gave my life. God gave my life. God gave his son and our nature calls us to give. So Jesus said, when you do give. To those that are in need don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything that is secret will then reward you openly now he goes on to say and when you pray don't you like that Jesus just didn't ask again if you're gonna pray he just said when you're gonna pray when you pray don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly and on the street corners and in the church services and in the synagogue so everyone can see them I tell you the truth this is all the reward that they'll ever get but when you pray again no polling for an opinion just an instruction he said go away by yourself shut the door behind you and pray to your father who is in private then your father who sees and knows everything he will reward you and when you pray don't babble on and on and on as the gentiles do They misthink and believe they'll be heard merely for repeating their words over and over again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. So pray like this. I love it. You know it. Our Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. And may your will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day and the food that we need in this day. And please, God, forgive us of our sins. And give us also the grace and the strength to forgive those who have sinned against us. Don't let us give in to the temptations of life of the world, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive those who sin against you, he said, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. Wow, what a tough statement of truth. And when you fast, all right, Jesus, you've, you've you've already instructed me that as I surrender my life to you, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that it's not optional for me to give the need. It's going to be a part of my onboard new nature to be a giver. You've already told me that it's not optional to pray, that my new nature is going to call out to you, Abba, Father, I'm going to want to pray, commune with you. And now you're telling me that I'm also going to fast. When you fast, we're going to talk about that next week, the last week. Of the service before we go out and serve this community he said don't make it obvious again as the hypocrites do for they do it just to try to be seen a men that make themselves look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting I tell you the truth the only reward that they'll ever get is that of people but when you fast comb your hair wash your face and then no one will notice you are fasting except your father who knows what you are doing in private and your father who sees everything will reward you openly father today we've worshiped we've prayed we've sung our songs God I want to pray once again we know your words anointed I've already prayed privately multiple times beginning in preparation all day yesterday early this morning before the sun even came up for your touch your anointing but God I ask once again that your anointed word would flow through me unhindered unhampered and that you would do what our prayer team prayed that you would bring about change The necessary change, the required change, the divine change in all of our hearts, our attitudes and our actions as we leave here today more like Christ and go about our lives and our week. In Jesus name I pray, amen and amen. I was watching um, an interview yesterday with a pastor and uh, the interviewer um, asked a question that said, um, what would Jesus say to a queer? That's that's what the interviewer said. What what would Jesus say to a queer? And um, the the pastor that was being interviewed would say, I love you and I want a relationship with you. He said, "What, what would Jesus say to a drug addict? And he said, Jesus would say, I love you and I want a relationship with you. He said, well, "Well, what would Jesus say to a murderer?" He would say, "Jesus said, I love you and I want a relationship with you." And he said, "Okay, I've got one more for you. What what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say to a racist?" He said, "Jesus would say, I love you and I want a relationship with you." And the interviewer said, "I I I don't understand that radical concept." you know, how can you tell me this Jesus that's propagated in the Bible would love these people in that state, in that place, in their sin, and that he would want a relationship with them? And he, the pastor said, well, it's simply because this, the the gospel that's been taught has been the gospel of the church or the gospel of a denomination. It's not been the gospel of the kingdom. The, The gospel of the kingdom is that I am God's son sent in human form to die for you because I love you and I want a relationship with you. And and what I can promise you from the front row to the back row, to the left side, to the right side, there are some of you in this place today, all of us in this place, that, that, that... that have a name. You, you have a title and, and it may be adulterer. It, it, it may be uh, materialistic. It, it, it may be any one of an addict or, or an abuser. We all in this life have issues, have struggles, have trials, have strains. And the answer of the gospel of the kingdom is I love you and I want to have a relationship with you. you. You may be a Jacob, but I want to make you an Israel. You, you may be broken, but I want to make you whole. You may be lonely, but I want to give you fullness. You, you may be hopeless, but I want to give you great hope. You may be anxious, but I want to give you peace. You may be this person, and I'm not scared of who you are or what you're invested in, but I want to make you something new. And the pastor said, the second part of the interview, and he said, now here, he, that's the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. It's the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. He said, but here's the bad news of the gospel of the kingdom. Once you accept Jesus as savior, he demands to become Lord. And now you have to die for him. See, once he saves you from your sin, from your disease, from your leprosy, no matter what it is, and we've all been leopards. Some of us have been extreme leopards. The demand of his payment of our ransom of washing us in the blood making us new making us clean is that now i'm your savior but it's time for your practice to become allowing me to be your lord and, and as I become the Lord of your life, all of the things that you thought were important, all the things that you lusted for, all the things that you felt you should do, all the demands that you put on life, that you should have, some of those things, if not all of those things, slowly, systematically, monthly, year by year, I'm going to call you to die to them. I died for you, so now you got to die for me. And what ends up inevitably being the end result of a practicing Christian's life is a life that slowly, progressively begins to be in the old days, we would say sanctified a life that begins to look and be and feel like Jesus. Now we've dealt with extremes today. And I know that's a bit of a radical introduction to any message, but I was just shocked that that interview was that blunt and direct. And I appreciated it. There could be people in this room that are dealing with any of those things today. And listen to me, Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But don't miss, don't let doctrine, don't let church, don't let denominationalism, don't let a a, a confusing message twist the truth of God's word that says, I died for you, now you've got to die for me. Anybody else in this room, in that dying process, in anybody else in that process, like, like you asked the Holy Spirit to come into your life and you wanted to be filled or baptized, or you got up and studied the word, you began this holy habits, new sermon series for the new year. And then all of a sudden the Lord started speaking to you about attitudes or actions or words or thoughts or habits. And, and that Holy Spirit, which is never condemning, but is often convicting Puts his mouth on things or his finger on things and says, I'm calling you out of this and into this. And well, I don't know if I'm ready to give up smoking. I don't know if I'm ready to give up vaping. I don't know if I'm ready to give up red man. I, I don't know if I'm ready to give up porn. I don't know if, I, is this just too straight for you today? Is this, he said, I don't know if I'm ready to give up that, that, that online affair. I don't know if I'm ready to give up that hobby. I don't know if I'm ready to, I, hold on Jesus. I, I wanted to be saved from my sin, but I don't know about this you get to call the shots and me dying for you thing. <laughs> Welcome to the gospel of the kingdom. <laughs> Welcome to Christianity. Welcome to the lifetime of growing in godliness. Welcome to the process of becoming like Christ. And, and, and all I'm after as your pastor is what? Is that you're engaged in the process. See, far be it from me to stand up here and to tell you what stage of the game and the process you should be in. I can tell you, that he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. I can tell you there is a process and I can tell you where you should be in the process to do certain things for God in the ministry for God. But what I'm telling you today as a congregation is I just want you to know God loves you. He sent his son for you. He died for you. He wants to save you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. We're going to talk about that today. But in that process, I want to tell you, he's also going to tell you, you've got to start dying to some things for him. And I don't know where you're at in that journey, but I want you to know there is a dying to yourself process in your journey. Far be it for me to tell you that you can have easy believism and live however you want to live for the rest of your life and expect to truly have what God calls the gift of salvation. He's either Savior and Lord, or he's not Lord at all. Amen? He's Lord and Savior. Jesus here in one of the most famous sermons, matter of fact, I said this last week and I won't spend a lot of time saying it again. In Matthew's chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, 6, 7, and 8 mainly, which is known as the Beatitudes beginning in chapter 5, Jesus starts preaching context to his day. Now in his day, these topics that he covers, giving, prayer, fasting, ceremonies, washing of hands, all these things, marriage, divorce, all these things he covers would be like somebody standing up here today and addressing all of the cultural big issues of our day. Can I, can I just name a few? It would be like me standing up here Talking to you very culturally about immigration, about the LGBTQ agenda, about the woke agenda, uh, 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 about about all these things that you see on TV every day. This wasn't a foreign message. This was a right now message. This is what all of the Jewish people were asking. What do we do? How do we do this? What does the word say? What did Moses say? And then Jesus comes out and he starts preaching the same thing they've always heard with a revolutionary interpretation, with a revolutionary, a kingdom of heaven perspective. And everybody said, we've never heard anything like this before. Who is this guy? He just started, he didn't shy away from the cultural norms of the day. He started addressing The very ones that everybody had questions for. There's so much in this passage. We could spend two months. I'm I'm still in the first 11 verses. There's so much here and so much we won't be able to cover. Last week when we began to talk about this famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, when we began to talk about these chapters, we talked about all of the things that they cover Teachings about the heart and about life and about the practices of faith, about how we treat our neighbor, about marriage and divorce, about church doctrine and, and church philosophy, even about eternity. There's so much in here that I really would like to cover, but I need to get on with the get on today. And as you know, over the last several weeks in this holy habit series, we've, we've talked about making a daily practice, having a daily dependency on God's word and what all God did to ensure that we would have his word and how his word is alive and how it can speak to us and how we don't read it. And it reads us and how that rhema word can come alive. It's just a valuable resource that God ensured that we have. And we need to make it a habit of our lifestyles to be dependent upon this word. the way the children of Israel were dependent on God's daily provision of manna from heaven. This is the bread of heaven. Then we begin to talk about last week about how Jesus instructs all of us to protect our hearts and our thoughts and our actions when we move in the area of generosity to be givers. And today I want to move to just the simple second statement of this message that, that God laid on my heart several weeks ago. And that is just this, when you pray. When you pray, when you pray, there's some things, some basic things. I'm going to read this verse that Jesus said we need to know about our prayer lives. This may be, you may not have connected the dots. This may be a dying area for you. Your prayer life doesn't have to look like my prayer life. Your, your prayer life doesn't have to look like your wife's or your husband's prayer. It doesn't have to be kneeling. It doesn't have to be staying. It can be in the car. It can be. What I'm after today is that you're in the process that you know Jesus loves you, that you know Jesus died for you, that you know Jesus wants a relationship with you. And in this relationship, it can't be a one-way street because that's not a relationship. That's a monologue that you're gonna have to talk to him. It may be different than me. It may be when you want to. It may be how you want. It can be in different forms. It may be liturgical. It may be contemporary. It can be all these different things. But when you pray, which is necessary for the growing and the evolving and the maturing process, there's some things Jesus wanted you to know about. And just even beginning to pray and to talk to him may be a part of you dying to you. So many of us today run to the phone. We Instead of the throne, we run to Facebook. Instead of God's book, we want to hear what everybody else has to say. Instead of asking the Holy Spirit what God would want to say. It's very important for us to pray to give God that inroad into our life. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray... (laughs) The first thing I can teach you to about doing it right is by teaching you how not to do it wrong. He said, don't do it like the hypocrites do. They do it for an outward appearance. They do it publicly on street corners in church service so everyone can see them. Boy, they really know how to pray. He said, I'll tell you the truth. That's all the reward that they'll ever get. If I was to just break down into just five simple points what Jesus taught, about prayer, they would be this. Don't pray just to be seen of people. You've lost the whole purpose of prayer. It's not optional. Pray in private, don't babble. You know, so many people use filler words. If you're like me and you're a verbal processor, you may say, oh God, or now God, or we's God, or please, or whatever we all have. Listen, that's, it's, it's not the length of your prayer. It's not the eloquence of your cadence. It's not the amount of words that you share. It's just simply the heart dependence to recognize I don't have the answers. I can't do this on my own. And God, I'm inviting you into this. And it don't matter if it's three statements or three words. It's God recognizing that your heart is recognizing you need him in this journey and can't do it alone. And Jesus said, last but not least, pray with a purpose. Pray with a purpose. Our Father who art in heaven, this is intentional. He's saying pray with a purpose. Pray with a purpose, man. When you go to God, don't pray to check a box, checklist Christianity. Don't do to make yourself feel. You don't. You don't pray to become Christian, you pray because you are Christian. It's not something you do to become like God. It's something you do because God is in you making him like himself. It's a fruit of a root that's already inside of all of us. Here's what I thought I would just do today very quickly. I have no idea how far I will get into this. Last week, you know, I talked about all of the ways that we can give. I talked about the attitudes of our giving. I I talked about the benefits of our giving. So as I got in that flow, it just started on me last Sunday afternoon as I was going back over this sermon to just kinda continue in the same manner. So I wanna share very simply a few attributes of prayer. And as I started studying these and writing these and pinning these out, I noticed something that they started paralleling Matthew chapter six. So the very first thing that I want you to know, write this down, is an attribute of prayer. There's going to be four or five of them. So just write an attribute. And if you don't know what an attribute is, it is, it is, it is kind of a representation of it. It's, it's the habit of. What would be another word for attribute in here? Somebody give me an example. Another word for attribute, a hallmark. This is what prayer should look like. If I was describing prayer to you and wasn't using the word prayer, these are the other words that I would use to describe what prayer should be. It should be, number one, genuine. Genuine. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says this, When you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen Amen. This is disingenuine. I assuredly say to you, they already have their reward. The first thing pastor wants you to know when you go to God, what Jesus wants you to know, what the Bible wants you to know, is let it be a genuine reason. I'm praying to you genuinely about this God. Secondly, let it be in private. I love what Jesus says when he raises Lazarus from the dead. He said, oh God, you know, you and I have already had this conversation that Lazarus is about to get up out of this grave. I don't say Lazarus, come forth now so that he'll get up out of the grave. I'm saying Lazarus, get up out of the grave and come forth now. So these people that are hard-hearted and stiff-necked and have uncircumcised ears so that they will know publicly what you and I have already decided privately. Lazarus, come forth out of the grave. That shows us that Jesus had a genuine conversation with God with a purpose, with sincerity about privately before he got there about Lazarus being raised. And he said, now let publicly happen what you and I have decided privately will happen. So many of us need that public manifestation of our private prayer lives to happen in our lives, but the enemy wants us to twist that. The enemy wants us to think that we declare it publicly In hopes that it happens privately you declare it and pray it in private and then watch it happen publicly here's the attributes of prayer you pray genuinely you pray privately Jesus said but when you pray go into your inner room it was amazing I started writing these down and they were in the scripture and when you shut the door behind you pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. How many of you saw that amazing movie called The War Room years ago? What, what was that actress's name? Who was that in there? Uh, yeah, she's an amazing preacher too. That movie showed a woman who was in a state of adversity with her marriage, who was in a state of adversity with her parenting, with her finances, and, and, the, and, the, and the complaining or the bickering or the nagging. You know, the Bible talks about nagging. <laughs> Ooh, I'm about to be unpopular in here today. I saw one lady. <laughs> she, mm, I know what he's going to say. This is a good time to use the bathroom. <laughs> the Bible said, and I won't make it sexist. I won't make it gender, you know, neutral. I mean, gender singular. It can make it gender. There's, there's nagging husbands. Amen. I've been a nagging husband about picking stuff up. There's nagging wives. But the Bible says nagging is like water constantly dripping. Drip, drip. Drip. It, it it doesn't fix anything, and it, it most of the time only incites more anger and emotion. It, it it's it's a constant <clears throat> impasse. And so in this movie, she meets an elderly lady, and and she shows her how to go in there and get her a private prayer room. And it wasn't so much about the room, but she went in there and took all of her clothes out, all of her shoes out. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> took all that junk out of her closet and she started stapling pictures of her children, of her husband, of their dream, of their home, of their future. And she just started taking it to God privately with the door shut. And then all of a sudden, God started working and orchestrating the affairs of her life sovereignly, causing all things to work together for good. Publicly, what she was praying privately. Here's some hallmarks of prayer, attributes of prayer. You should pray genuinely. You should pray privately. Pray sincerely. Listen to this, Matthew 6 and 8. Therefore, do not be like them. Don't pray insincerely pray sincerely and know this, that your father already knows the things that you need before you ask. Well, here's what some people have done to pervert the gospel and to twist it. Well, God knows my heart. How many of you tried to witness to somebody? How many of you tried to talk to somebody about God and they tell you, well, God knows my heart. God does know your heart, but God didn't tell you ever that because he knows your heart, you're off the hook with worshiping him, with talking to him, with giving for him, with witnessing for him. He does know your heart, but he still, even though he knows it, sovereignly intends you to tell it to him. You can't bypass the conversation between God because the sovereignty of God ensures you that God already knows your heart. He does know your heart, but he wants you to express faith in sharing it with him. You share these things genuinely, privately, sincerely, and check this out. I love this. You pray earnestly. And when you pray, don't fall for the enemy's attack to just vainly use repetition, repeat yourself, repeat words, stall for time, use filler words to sound eloquent, to try. Don't do that. The heathens do that. People that don't know God do that. For they do it and they think they'll be heard for their many words. You just pray earnestly. You pray genuinely. You pray privately. You pray sincerely. You pray earnestly. You ready for this? And you also pray... In these ways here are the ways that you pray when you go to God you pray with adoration does anyone know what adoration is I can help our worship experience I can help us on Sunday mornings by just simply explaining this I've told you already today just stay with me I've told you what prayer looks like the hallmarks of prayer the attributes of prayer now I want to show you just very quickly I want to show you the ways that you pray he said our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Does anyone have any idea what that means? Hallowed means holy. So, so here is God divested from all of his deity, God in the form of a man. He, he's 100% God, but he's 100% man. And he's turning around, talking to the Father, saying, holy, beautiful, Powerful, mighty, amazing, strong is your name. He's adoring God for who God is. God doesn't need to be reminded that he's holy, strong, and powerful. You need to be reminded that he's holy, strong, and powerful. The adoration that you declare out of your mouth is you preaching to your own soul. It's you preaching to your own spirit. The Bible says Old Testament and New, I believed, so therefore I spoke if you believe God is strong, if you believe God is holy, if you believe God is powerful, if you believe God is beautiful, if you believe God is all, awesome, you'll say it in worship. You don't need me to sing your song. You don't need me to get it on your tune. You don't need me to get in your key. I remember going to the other side of the world with Brooke. We were in Bucharest, Romania. We were in Chisinau, Moldova. These people were singing. I didn't know what in the blue blazes they were singing. They were playing it in a key. I, all, the, all I knew no, I recognize is it had that it had that shout to the Lord all the earth let us sing for and they weren't singing it that way and I was uh, mm, mm, uh. these people they was blah, 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 blah. they was going to tear I didn't know what they were saying but I didn't need my song. I didn't need my key. I didn't need my volume. I didn't need my preference. This isn't Burger King. I didn't need it my way in order to give God the adoration he deserves. I know you're strong. I know you're a deliverer. I know you're powerful. I know you're, I've seen you strong. I've seen you mighty. I've seen you move right. I'm here to adore you. Jesus said when you go to God genuinely, secretly, privately, sincerely, Put a little, put a little adoration in there. Just just tell yourself how holy God is. You need it, trust me, because you forgot this week. (laughs) You can go home and watch the game, but you can't watch worship. You got to participate in worship. (laughs) And worship at its highest form in the Hebrew culture is prayer. The highest form of worship to a Jew is to pray to God. It's the highest form of worship. Here's some other things that you should do. I love it. Check it out. It follows the scripture. In this manner, when you pray, say, Our Father. No, I'm saying that. (laughs) Great. I love you, whoever you are. Please be here next week when we do Reach events. I mean, you're going to make a great team leader someday. (laughs) Jesus said, though, he said, When you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. Now, we just left off at verse 8 a minute ago. Now, we're in verse 9. Now, check this out. Verses. 10 and 11 tell us another way that we should pray. We pray with adoration. We pray with supplication. Here's Jesus' request. He said, God, I, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I thank you for this day, but now would you give me the provision I need in this day? It's Jesus. Can, you know, the disciples said, <sighs> Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off Malchus's service, cuts off his ear, Jesus says, Peter, put the sword up. Those that live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. He said, don't you know I call 6,000 legions of angels right now down? I, I get myself out of this. I don't need you to defend me with a sword. Jesus had the power and the ability to do whatever in the world it was that he wanted to do. But yet he stayed his own hand with restraint and he prayed to God with supplication. Not trying to twist God's arm into doing what he wanted God to do, but he said, oh God, twist my arm until I do what you want me to do. Prayer isn't you manipulating God till he gives you what you want. Prayer is you humbling yourself to God till he can give you what you need. Prayer is us saying, God, I'm getting in the birthing position. My request is make me shape me help me align with you L- listen if if God looks like you in your prayer life I got to tell you something you're praying to the idol of self if, 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 if you look up one day and God looks like exactly what you look like you have become your own God I, I got news for it we are becoming like God but nobody in this room is God nobody None of us have fully taken the shape of godliness. When we pray, we give God the adoration He deserves. We ask God to twist us and mold us in shape, bring us into alignment with Him. And this is very important. So many people have got away from this. Check this out. Confession is mandatory. Say, God, would you please forgive me of my sins? <laughs> so many today would say, Well, I already repented. And I and I and I and I already asked God to forgive me of my sin. And I'm telling you when Jesus died, all of your sins were in the future. You better believe he can f- forgive for your uh, futuristic sins, which he can. When Jesus died 2000 years ago, you wasn't born. All your sins was in the future. And I understand that when he died, he paid the price for all of your sins before you were born again. And even after you were born again, but nowhere in the Bible does the Bible ever instruct us to drift away from the daily accountability of going to God with confession, humbling ourselves and, in- Adoration, asking God through supplication, of modus, and saying, "God, I missed it today with my attitude. I missed it with my children. I missed it with my wife. I missed it with that lie. I missed it when I did that. In entra- I was off there. It doesn't mean God hasn't forgiven you. It means that you're so yielded and surrendered to God that you're allowing Him to still make you the person you're supposed to be. It's daily accountability. It's not that you're forgiven at that moment. You're already forgiven." but it's a daily accountability to plumb line the walk of Christ's likeness in this earth. We should use thanksgiving. How many of you, honestly, when you go to God, use thanksgiving? Check this out. We've just covered verse 12. Now we're gonna go right to 13. And do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, yours is the power. Yours. God, I thank you that all this stuff I pray, I thank you right now that you got all the power, you got all the glory, you got all the gold, you got all the provision, you got all the strength, you got all the, you got, I thank you, God, for being who you are, for sending your son, for loving me when nobody else loving me, healing me when nobody else wanted to help me. There ought to be something in you that wants to thank God. Side note, I don't know why the Holy Spirit just dropped this on me. How many of you re- actually read the Bible? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> 20% of you. <laughs> just kidding. We're going to get the rest of you there. We're working on holy habits. Just, just kidding. When you read the Bible, you may have read this statement that, that they sang a song that no one knew. You ever seen that in the Bible? Or they sang a new song. In Revelation talks about singing the new song, the song of the Lamb that the angels don't know. can can i tell you what that song is there's not literal lyrics to it it's the song of the redeemed god only provided redemption for fallen humanity there's no angelic redemption for the rebellion that happened in the angelic realm god provided to man a pathway to be redeemed and those of us that have experienced the salvation Of our souls the redemption of our eternities we sing a new song of thanksgiving to god that the angels cannot comprehend and that the lost and the fallen world cannot sing they've never experienced redemption from god and that song flows out of each and every one of us differently and it's a song of thanksgiving thank you for loving me thank you for saving me thank you for coming to me thank you for protecting me heal whatever god did in you That thanksgiving ought to naturally erupt out of you, and that's the song you'll sing in eternity. The song of the Lamb, the song of redemption, the song of your salvation. And guess what? Nobody else can sing that song. Last but not least, you ready for this? I'm I'm going somewhere, I promise. We pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus' name. I'm gonna give it now. I could go a long time on this. Let let me read you some Bible here. This is the only deviation I'm gonna give you this morning from Matthew 6. John 16, 23 and 24 says this I'm a Bible preacher. I'm a word preacher. I'm a contextual preacher. I'm an exegetical preacher. That means this line on line, precept on precept. Ain't my opinion. This is what God said. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Jesus is saying, Don't pray to me, don't say, Jesus, do this for me. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, you go and ask the Father, God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. Until now, nobody's asked God the Father for anything in my name. And when you learn to ask him in my name, you will receive what you have asked for and your joy will then be full. Listen to me. Just stay with me. Using the name of Jesus is definitely a secret weapon in prayer. You are coming to God on the authority of Jesus. You are coming to God. Let us enter into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. We come boldly in the name. He shed His blood. He lived his sinless life. He was spat upon. He was beaten with a rod. He was mocked and jeered. He had a crown of thorns plaited and driven down into his head. He alone was dead buried. He alone descended into the lower parts. He alone resurrected. He alone ascended on high. He alone shed his blood on the mercy seat of God, on the altar of atonement. I come not in Buddha's name, not in Allah's name, not in Gandhi's name, not in George Bush's name, not in Bobby Jindal's name, not in the mayor's name, not in my name. I come in the name of Jesus and the curtains of the sanctuaries of heaven's part when you get there. But make no mistake about it. Listen to me. That's half of praying in Jesus name. That's God's view to man in our prayer. God's throne has an entryway when you pray in the authority and in the name of Jesus. Can I show your responsibility praying in the name of Jesus? You ain't gonna like it. It's tight, but it's right. First John chapter five, verses 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we learn to ask in his name, which is to pray according to his will, that God then hears us. And if God hears us as we pray according to his will, then whatever we're asking for according to his will, we know that we will have the petitions that we've asked of God in his name. Praying in Jesus' name is not saying, oh God, give me an extra wife. Oh God, give me a black Escalade. Oh God, give me a million dollars. Oh God, give me what I want in Jesus' name. (laughs) Putting Jesus' name on there don't make it God's will. Learning to pray in the name of Jesus is figuring out what His will is and then taking the name, the person, the authority, the will of Jesus to the Father. And I know that I'm in the throne room and I know that what I'm praying ain't me cause I wouldn't pray this, it's his will in me. So I'm glad now you're gonna hear me and I know I will have exactly what I prayed cause I just prayed your will not mine in Jesus name. You can't go to God and say, oh, God, give me, I'm going to hold you up, God. Pastor Todd, stand up for me. Stand up. (laughs) Could could you come up here? Just jump up here right quick. (laughs) I I was, my family, we done started watching this show called uh, Yellowstone. What's it called, Yellowstone Law? Oh, I didn't say Yellowstone. I said Yellowstone Law. Isn't that what it's called, the the Game Wardens, Yellowstone Game Wardens or something that y'all? Yes, it's like a Game Warden show, and they're on the Yellowstone, on the public parts, and the other day, they called this guy and told him, hey, we're going to give you a gun back that was your son's that was taken in an altercation. And they said, could you come down here and meet us? Well, the guy said, oh, yeah, great. I'm glad to have my rifle back. <laughs> he got down there and he said, hey, are you, are you, are you, you know, John Doe? And he said, yeah. He said, could I see your ID? He pulled it out and handed it to him. And he said, thank you, sir. You're under arrest right now. <laughs> and, he <came laughs> behind that car, and he said, just hold on, just hold on. And he said, boy, you." Started putting two sets of hands up. He had him twisted up like this to make him do what they wanted him to do. You do understand that's not what prayer is. You're not going <laughs> to call God to a secret meeting and him got up and twist his arm and say, Now you hear me, you're going to do what I want you to do. Well, so prayer looks like this. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. God. I'm I don't want to be nice to them people. I don't want to love them. I don't want to have to be. I don't want to have to say no to what I want. And God's doing what? Twisting me up, beating me up, straightening me up. And guess what? I need every bit of it. And you do too. You don't hymn God up in prayer. He hymns you up. Pastor Chad, I'm going to get you to come now. They got that guy. He thought he was going down there to get, get his way. Get what he want. I'm going to get my gun back and we got away from it. They hemmed him up. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> they had his arms so twisted he looked like he could scratch his own back of his neck. <laughs> that guy said, you got big wrists. You got big. I'm paying you a compliment while I'm bending your elbows up to your forehead. <laughs> That's what God will do. I sure love you. You sure are my child. Let me just get your arm up here a little bit longer till you get that down, till you get this out of your life, till you move away from that. I, sure, I love you. I'm trying to do this to help you. I tell Foster, it kills me. I say, Foster, I don't want to whip you. Listen to me. I love you. This hurts daddy. To whip. And I know he thinks this is the biggest jump, but I do. I love him so much. I love you too much to let you stay that way. I love you too much to grow up and act that way when you're 14 or when you're 21 or when you're 32. You ain't going to get nowhere in life acting like that. And daddy loves you too much to let you stay that way. I talked to you about the hard stuff. Here's some benefits of prayer. I've shown you some attributes of praying. I've showed you some ways to pray because Jesus said it's not optional. He said when you pray. Now let me show you some benefits of prayer. Prayer changes our viewpoints. It changes our perspectives. Listen to this. Go real slow. Colossians 3 and 2. Set your mind on things above. See it God's way. Not on things of this world. Always seeing it man's way. Do you know the greatest way to change your viewpoint? It's to ascend in prayer to the throne room. The Bible says you are seated In Christ, at God's right hand. But how many of you, when you pray, you pray up? Oh God, oh God. The Bible says the minute you close your eyes, shut yourself away with God. And you say in Jesus' name, you should be praying horizontally sideways. You are right next to the Father and the Son. You are in between their loving, in bos- their, their loving bosom. Embrace. You're right. You don't, you don't pray up to demons or oppression or addiction. You pray down. Because you're seated in Christ, in God, in the heavenlies. You don't say, oh, God. Take away this trial, you say, God, make that devil take his hand off my children. Make that addiction break off of God. I'm praying your will. You came so that we would have life more abundantly. And that's not just material possession. That is a great mental well-being, spiritual well-being, physical well. God, you want us to pro- you want us to be, you want our lives whole. God, this addiction, this crack cocaine, this, this, this ain't a part of you. Take that, break that devil's stronghold off our family. And then when you're sitting there in God's bosom and you start looking back down to the earth, prayer has helped you change your perspective instead of praying from earth to heaven, you pray from heaven to earth. Prayer changes your perspective on where you're seated and where you're praying from. Here's, Here's another benefit of prayer. I'm trying to talk you into a prayer life right now in case you don't know that. James says, prayer draws us closer to God. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts. Learn to draw near to God. Don't you know as you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you? You can shut your eyes here and by you and open them in the throne room of God. It'll draw. How many of you, you, should, you know why we shut our eyes? It's not that something magical happens when we shut our eyes. We shut our eyes so that we can be in Another place, so that we can shut our eyes and be in the presence of God. That can happen in your car, in your shower, on the lawn mower, on the tractor, in the deer stand. I know what you're going to say. Well, you just told me I can experience the presence of God anywhere. You can, but you can't go to church anywhere. You can't go to church anywhere. You can't. You, you can commune with God anywhere, but you can't go to church anywhere. Because see what's wrong with that is you think church is about you. Church is about helping somebody else. I can't help you in my dear stand. I I can't help you when I'm hiding. I can't help you when I'm. Church isn't about me. Church is about Rhonda helping you. Chad helping. It's not about. This isn't burger. Church is about you helping the person next to you. You helping the person behind. The Bible says every joint should supply. Didn't say everybody supply a joint. I don't care if they legalize it or not. Don't bring no joint up in here. Didn't say everybody supplies a joint. It says every joint in the body supplies its need you got something somebody around you next to you behind you to look they need they need your smile today they need your prayer today they need your embrace today they need your word of encouragement today they need your hand today they need your love today that's why we come to church i was barbecuing the other day got this little bitty barbecue pit we was cooking some hamburgers and and when i went i went to open the little side thing it it kind of swung open real fast and a, and a charcoal filled out and all my kids were. i said can y'all come here I said, what is that? And they said, that's a coal, Daddy. That's where the fire is. That's hot. I said, yeah, I done taught you that. I said, what'll happen if Daddy will take this coal and set it over there? And they said, it'll start a fire. I said, mm, I could preach that. I just need Richard Bass to go down there to 1501 Jackson Street with a bunch of crazy people, radical, and celebrate recovery and start a fire down there. I just need Jonathan Kirkland to go down there at 111 Cottonport on Wednesday night in West Monroe and start a fire in that. I got, But check this out. If I leave those coals, if we leave those coals over there by themselves long enough, you know what will happen to them? they'll go out and I said baby this coal is you as a Christian and you're supposed to be hot and on fire and everywhere you're supposed to go you're supposed to start a fire but if I don't stick you back up in here with the rest of these little coals your fire will go out because your heat comes from them your edge comes from them your strength comes and theirs comes from you we all got to be generate we all got I, I, I don't need you to come to church to get a relationship with the Lord I need you to bring your relationship with the Lord to church and help somebody else amen this isn't I came to church to get something. I came to church to give something. This isn't consumer Christianity. This is generosity Christianity. This isn't getting. This is giving. I didn't come to get something from the community. I came to give something. How many of you know Jesus says better to give it? <laughs> if you just receive it, last a moment. You give it, lasts a lifetime. I'm trying to talk you into a prayer like prayer draws us closer to God. Prayer is the pathway to God's presence. It's the only way that you can transcend this world and step into eternity. Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne room of God to obtain the mercy and the grace that we need in our daily lives. Prayer. Check this out. I love this. The reason we have prayer every week, the reason Pastor Chad and the team is working on conducing, uh, producing a, a conducive atmosphere for people's needs to be met and to pray for you and to help you is, check this out, prayer helps other people. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous changes things. It avails not a little, but much. Your prayer life helps other people. Let me tell you what I just heard. I heard a husband say, you sure are easier to be married to when you pray consistently. I heard, I heard somebody say, whoo, I wish she'd start back praying again. I wish she'd let God twist her up. Cause I'm trying to twist her up nagging about junk being everywhere and strode out. She ain't listening. God, I wish you'd get her in prayer and talk to her about trying to honor me and my wishes and my needs. And then God, I'm going to go to prayer and I know you're going to twist me up, jam me up about honoring her needs. Got quiet, quiet. Okay, I'm going to preach on. Just look straight ahead. Nobody will know I'm talking about y'all. Just kidding, babe. Love this. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Prayer is the pathway for the restoration of our peace. Don't you understand that prayer is casting all of your cares upon Him. For He cares for you people say, man, I went to God this morning and I laid my burden down. Ooh, y'all gonna make me sing that. Laying burdens down. Mm. I went to God and I laid my burden down. By 9.30 my second cup of coffee, I done went up there and got it back. I got my burden back. I I took it to God this morning. Well, what in the blue blazes are you doing with it again? I don't know. I took it back. I started worrying about, take it back to God casting all of my cares. I'm ca- how we're going to pay the rent, how I'm going to get a promotion, how I'm going to finish school, how the ends are going to be, how our marriage is going to, I'm going to cast all my cares upon you for I know that you care for me way more than anyone else. You got to go to God in prayer and cast your cares in as many times as it takes to give it back to him, to give it to him. He'll give you a burden of peace and of light. I love this. The fervent, effective prayers of the righteous already said it avails much. Listen to the rest of these verses here. I'm almost done, Pastor Chad. James, I've already read them to you. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous, it changes much. Elijah was a man with a fallen nature like all of ours, and yet he learned to pray so honestly that the heavens were closed and it did not even rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and the heavens were opened. The rain came and the earth produced much fruit. Prayer changes things. Don't tell me I can't touch God. Don't tell me I can't touch heaven. Don't tell me my prayers are useless. Don't tell me God won't listen. Learn to pray the Bible way. And your prayers will produce, they'll produce a harvest, they'll produce a change, they'll produce miracles in you and around you. Jesus said, when you pray. Prayer, you see, my friend, you're gonna throw this on the screen. It's a holy habit. It's a normal part of the Christian experience. And as God's children, his spirit inside of us is where we're gonna end today. Actually, if you won't suppress it, cries out, Abba, Father. You may not understand that. You may not get that. You may not know what that means. In doctrinal world, in theology and in Bible college, people's always asking, well, how do you know if they're saved? How do you know if they're saved? In theology terms, it's called the inner witness of the spirit. If you're saved, you know you're saved the Spirit is already confirmed in you that you're a child of God. If you're not saved, you know you're not saved. And the Spirit inside of you does not confirm you are a son or a daughter of God. If you're in this place today and you've never made Jesus both the Savior and Lord of your life and you want to do that, I want you to just slip your hand up real quick right now. Just slip it up real quick. Thank you so much, beautiful lady. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Put your hands back down. Father, let's pray right now, privately, genuinely, earnestly, secretly, passionately, and in his name, we lift up these multiple hands. That went up in this room, God. They've heard a message today that stirred them, drawn them closer to you, and they want to repent of their sin. Just say it right now, God. I turn. I I surrender. I'm giving up my way And Jesus. I ask you to become not only my Savior of sin, but the Lord of my life that begins to mold me and shape me like you every day of my life in this Christian journey. Church family, I wish you would just put your hands together for those brave souls that that did that right now. Holy Spirit. There's some of us in here though today that we're not needing to be saved, we're needing to be re-engaged. We're not needing to be resaved. You can't get born again again. We need to get re-engaged, re-ignited in our prayer life. See, you've already got a spirit in you that says, yeah, I'm son of God. Yeah, I'm daughter of God. Yeah, he's in me. And what you've done is you've taken that spirit that's crying out in a hard time, that's crying out in an adverse situation that says, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, I need you. You've suppressed it. you've run to YouTube, you've run to the phone you've run to Facebook, you've run to Instagram you've run to the world, you've run to counselors and you've run to theology and you've run to systems and structures and ideologies and secular to try to help you with those needs but today we need to push all that back and we need to say the most important thing is my spirit crying out, Abba Father, Daddy God come near me now help me now Holy Spirit Help me today to re-engage my God, my Father in my prayers. Abba, Abba Father, Daddy God, talk to me, walk with me, counsel me, speak to me, guide me, convict me, lead me, strengthen me, help me, grow me, make me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.